Welcome back to another session of Better Podcasting Chats with me. I'm SP. This is a recorded casual conversation with hobby and passion podcasters to share their experience, joy, enthusiasm, and knowledge of podcasting. Better Podcasting is a project that Stephen, John Drew, and myself started in 2015 to help hobby and passion podcasters start their podcast and make their existing projects better. That's where we came up with the name Better Podcasting. It's our hope that bringing on new voices from hobby and passion podcasting spaces with different viewpoints will help others just as much as listening to Stephen and myself. And that is the impetus of this show, Better Podcasting Chats with me, SP. I want to say thank you to Rob Daly from the Smoking and Drinking in Capes podcast for joining me in the previous chat. You can check out Rob and his co-host Jason at their new website, smokinganddrinkingincapes.com. Now to demonstrate, if you don't know, what a hobby or passion podcast is, for the next few moments, I'm going to talk about my passion, which is space. Since I last recorded, SpaceX was hard at work preparing Starship for its second test flight, dubbed IFT-2. As I record this episode in two days on Saturday, November 18th, 2023, is set for Booster 9 and Ships 25's flight. It's just a few days shy of seven months since the first flight on April 20th, 2023. And since then, SpaceX performed a wet dress rehearsal on the Starship stack on October 24th, 2023. SpaceX received their launch license for IFT-2 yesterday on November 15, 2023, after satisfying both the FAA and the Fish and Wild Game Services of mitigations following the failure of the first Starship launch. Hopefully by the time you hear this, that the launch has already occurred, and we will know if it has been a successful test or not. For those that don't know, Starship is simply the largest and biggest rocket ever to be made. Now, on the NASA side of the house, they've slipped their SLS Artemis II launch to November 2024. And that's right now at the moment. We'll see if that day sticks. And NASA is exploring a change in the Artemis III mission parameters due to the mounting delays in both the Artemis and Starship tests. Now, hobby podcasters all podcasts from a passion like I just did because we emphasize the fun, passion, and dedication to podcasting. Now, for the next hour, I'm going to be chatting with an amateur voice actor and hobby podcaster. Eric Alton Glenn Hilliard started podcasting in the waning days of 2020 and is well on his way to review both the Remington Steel and White Collar TV series. He's both a solo podcaster and a co-host. Eric has a long history of being an amateur techno geek and was inspired to start podcasting to just make a better podcast than what he was listening to. I've been looking forward to this conversation for a few weeks myself since we started chatting. Welcome to the chat, Eric. Hello. Thank you for having me. Thank you for coming on. Now, I have a question to ask you right off the bat here. Okay. How long did it take you from deciding to start a podcast to publishing your first episode? Well, that's part of my sad, sad story. I was inspired by a podcast that I I listened to back in 2017. 
this was after listening to some other podcasts at various times and being sorely disappointed in the quality in many respects of the quality of the shows. But I found this one in 2017 and it inspired me and I came up with some ideas of TV shows I wanted to do podcasts on. And it was three years before I published the first one. Wow. That's some dedication. No, no, it wasn't dedication. It wasn't dedication. It was stubbornness. I had a concept in mind and it wasn't happening. I had the idea of, I need a co-host because for a TV rewatch podcast, it seemed to me that the best combination of review and discussion was to have co-hosts. So you could have a conversation between the people about the show. But when I first put out word that I was looking for a co-host for the White Collar TV series podcast, I got nothing. And it was a little while before I realized that, yeah, I wasn't going to get anybody for a variety of reasons. But I was stuck in this mindset that I've got to have a co-host. Well, I can't get a co-host because nobody wants to be a co-host. Well, yeah, but I got to have co-host. So I was stationary on that i was i was just kind of locked into this where i couldn't move on it for almost three years before i finally realized okay it's not going to happen i need to come up with a different way of doing it now during that entire time i wasn't just i hadn't just set everything aside I, i was doing studying i was reading i was listening to other podcasts about podcasting i was learning to do podcasting but I was making zero progress on actually getting my podcast started because I just, I couldn't get out of that mindset. That story is very similar to my own story. So I completely understand. I think a lot of hobby podcasters out there totally understand not wanting to go solo, thinking it's better with a co-host of the subject matter, because a lot of the great podcasts that you listen to, it's a group of people just having fun, laughing, or bouncing ideas off of each other. So it took me probably, I want to say at least a year, if not two years, I'd have to go back and really think about it before I started voices of defiance and defiance was not the first TV show that I wanted to podcast on. The first TV show I wanted to podcast on was actually continuum. And unfortunately I just couldn't find anybody to do it with me. I was even ingrained in a geek community of the Battlestar Galactica gilk, and there were several people in that that wanted to start podcasting and did start podcasting. Nobody wanted to do the podcast with me on the TV show that I wanted to do it. So eventually it came around to Defiance came out and I was able to snag one person out of the group and then I was able to snag her husband out of the group as well. So we had a trio If it wouldn't have been for that, eventually, I think I would have gone solo, too. So our stories are not that different from each other. (laughs) Well, one of the advantages it sounds like you had just from what you just said just now is that you were embedded in these these communities, whereas I am not by nature a social person, either in person or online. And so that was one of the things working against me is that I was in these groups but I was a lurker. I wasn't actively participating because that's just not my personality. Yeah, it was kind of a hard sell to get anybody to 
take me seriously, especially since I hadn't done anything before. Now, when I did the start of the Remington Steel, it was a little bit different. I had participated in that some small degree, but I was incredibly lucky when I put that out. That's a, an incredibly active fan group on Facebook. And I actually got several people who were interested. So I got lucky there. How did you down select to the co-host you have today? I did interviews. I got on, I think it was Zoom. <laughs> Everybody was doing Zoom then, right? Mm-hmm. I got on Zoom and, and I did about 30 minute interviews with each one of them just to get a feel of how I would interact with them, get a feel of their personality. I had kind of a concept of what I wanted in a co-host, but the second time around, I wasn't quite so locked into my concept that I wasn't going to be flexible, but I managed to find somebody who really fit my vision of what I wanted for a co-host. And I, I'm, I'm so incredibly thankful that I found her and she's been a great co-host. I just, I absolutely appreciate her. Now, despite the great words that you just said, I have to commiserate with you again, because you oh, and no. I both have Canadian co-hosts and we're American. <laughs> so I just have to say, you know, I'm, I'm not making the Canadians, but I'm sorry you're having to deal with a Canadian because I know how <laughs> difficult that can be. Well, it can be fun, though, because I mean, I tease her all the time about being Canadian. And whenever she does anything that might be construed as being arrogant or prideful or whatever i I give her a bad time about you know that's not how canadians are supposed to act it's fun have you ever met your co-host in person no just virtually over uh riverside and zoom okay oddly enough steven is my only co-host i think he's the only co-host that i've never met in person i think i've met everybody else in person except for steve my main co-host you know the partner (laughs) with better podcasting and the owner of the good geek network is like the only person i had met his brother at one point in time he passed away a couple years ago but steven and i have never met either and i actually wanted to rectify that in 2020 i had plans to fly up to canada to meet him and spend a little time in his area and that just fell flat because of the you know the pandemic and since then we haven't been able to to get back together but i was just wondering if you actually met your co-host in person because a lot of people i think especially if you're looking for a co-host, maybe online in a community, you don't actually get to meet your co-host until maybe years down the road when you're maybe at a convention together, you just happen to be in the same city together or something like that. So it's more common, I think, than people realize. Yeah. And I don't know where you live exactly or even generally, and I don't know where Steven lives in Canada, but I'm going to take a wild guess and say that the travel distance between you, your location and his location is probably a lot less than mine and, and my co-hosts because she's in London, Ontario and I'm in Alaska. So, Oh, wow. That's yeah. That's a little, that's a little bit. You might act. I don't know. I might be closer to Canada than you are. I don't know. I'm pretty close to Canada. I'm pretty close to a part of Canada. Let's put it that way. So. Yeah. So I think your chances of, of meeting Steven in person are probably a little bit better than mine of meeting my co-host in person. So I do, I would have to fly at least three hours to get to him and he's not in, he's not in a main place. So I'd have to take secondary 
transportation to actually get to them. But anyway, yeah, so you don't, you've never met your podcast host in person and then you do a solo podcast. Are you releasing these shows every week? No. The White Collar Podcast, the way I decided to do it, because it, it was a solo, and my concern was sitting and listening to one person just talk for an extended period of time can get boring. So I did something that, let's say, is not recommended. I decided to use audio clips from the episodes. I have noticed. Yes. So putting one of those episodes together is a lot of, of work. I go through the episode, I refamiliarize myself with it, and I go through it a second time looking for points where I can pull out create clips. I don't actually just simply pull out a clip. I will pull out a section and then I will edit it down to the focus of what I'm trying to illustrate with that clip. And then I will, because it's a solo show, write out very, very extensive notes. And I don't know how much time I put in in developing each episode, but it's a lot. I originally started out doing that twice a month, but that just got to be a bit too tight to try and get all that done in a two-week period. So that one I have moved to once a month, which is the first Friday of the month. And then the Remington Steel, I do the second and the fourth Friday of the month. And so that still gets two episodes a month, but there are months where I get an extra week in between. Mm -hmm. So, so it, it feels like it's every two weeks, but it's, it's really not quite. And just to be clear, you are a hobby podcaster. This is not your full-time gig whatsoever. You're doing oh, this no. in your extra time. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So that's one thing that I know Stephen and I had been talking about in the past is as a hobby podcaster, you got to take care of yourself, got to take care of your well-being, your family, your obligations you need to take care of all that first and then this right. is a hobby that you do on the side and because of that you can go to a reduced schedule and you can still feel comfortable about it it just depends on what your goals on your podcasting is but podcasting once a month on a show and you're doing two shows so you're basically doing three a week or three a month three a month yeah and that's a respectable tempo especially with all the research that you do on that one episode so my yeah. hat is off to you. Obviously, I don't have a hat on right now, but my hat is <laughs> off to you. Take your microphone off or your headphones off. There you go. <laughs> then I couldn't hear you. But my, <laughs> my, <laughs> my hat and headphones are off to you in actually pulling that off because I know having to do solo shows myself, it's a lot of work. And then especially if you do a lot of preparation for it. Heck, just in the last month or so on Better Podcasting Live Chat, I have done a lot of research into one particular topic that we discuss. and. It turns into a huge time sink. I mean, it's like a good day, a good eight hour day. It mm -hmm. goes into actually preparing for that. And it's spread out over a week, but probably eight to 10 hours goes into some of the research that I do for some of those topics over there on Better Podcasting Live Chat. Or uh, this past week, we did an episode of Gonna Geek. I did a lot of background investigation into the topic of the current status of the movie industry because we were talking about the release of the marvels and what that meant and stuff like that so and we we weren't talking about the content we were simply talking about the business side of things so it's a lot of information that has to be 
consolidated in order to pull off something that's halfway decent and what I would consider to be researched. So totally get all of that. And like I said, my hat is off to you for doing that. And because of that, I have to ask you, you're doing these three shows, these three passion shows a month, Mm -hmm. two with a co-host and one by yourself. What excites you about that? What gets you continuing to do this month after month? (laughs) That's a good question. I enjoy the TV shows. I enjoy talking about them. As I said before, I'm not really a social person, either in person or online, or at least not since AOL gutted CompuServe. But um, I don't get a chance to talk about the TV shows I, I enjoy. You know, my wife, she, oh yeah, I enjoyed that show, but she doesn't like to talk about them. So this gives me a chance to talk about the shows that I, I enjoy. And it's just enjoyable to do them, to research them. Like you were talking about with your research, I tend to go down rabbit holes as well. So if something gets mentioned in an episode, that's kind of an important element in the episode, but it doesn't necessarily get a whole lot of explanation. I'll do a little research on it to find out about it and include that as, as a rabbit trail in the episode. And my co-host and I do that on the Remington Steel podcast as well. So it's just fun to do. And the Remington Steel podcast, especially, I just really enjoy getting together with my co-host and, and recording an episode. It's because it's just so much fun. From that aspect, I got to just guesstimate that you have several TV shows that you're actually passionate about and you have fun talking about. You chose Remington Steel. You chose White Collar. Do you have other ones that you want to do eventually? Yeah, although the story with all of them, including White Collar and Remington Steel, is another bit of a sad tale because when I first conceived of doing these podcasts, I, I made a list of about four TV shows I wanted to do maybe five and none of them had podcasts at the time, but it was three years till I got the white collar started. And guess what? Somebody started one in the meantime, it was four years before I got the Remington steel started. And guess what? Somebody did one in the meantime. Bones was another one that I, I had on my list. Didn't have any podcasts about it at the time. Guess what? Now there's like four of them. So yeah, I've, I've got these other shows I want to do. I don't know if I will do them at any point in the future because they are being covered in other places. I think I would do them differently than what is being done. But since they're already being covered, I don't know if I want to go that direction. I'm definitely still interested in doing some voice acting work. I am interested in audio dramas. I don't know if I have the skill to create, produce, and do a audio drama as, as a producer, but I certainly would love to do some more voice work in those, those types of things. So I may go that way. Well, I actually have a friend who's been on uh, one of these, but I actually think he was the very first one, John Badger, who's a producer on audio dramas and has a little troop of actors that he pulls on when he produces. So maybe I'll send you, send you his way. Oh, that would be fantastic. Yeah. I've only done a couple of little bits. There was a, a couple of characters on a fan production called Star Trek Outpost. I voiced one character in one episode. And then one of the 
continuing actors had to drop out for some reason, apparently. And so I was asked to cover his lines in another episode. Uh, that podcast has kind of gone on hiatus. One of the producers was going to get his doctorate, mm. you know, so, so he, he put the important stuff aside to spend his time diddling on this little doctorate thing, but, uh, <laughs> no, no, I, I totally understand that. I was going to ask if, uh, when you showed up to do the recording, if they gave you a red shirt. Yeah. <laughs> um, no. <laughs> And then uh, that was the episode that you were on. And that was it. Because <laughs> yeah. for those that don't know, there's a joke in Star Trek about wearing a red shirt in the original series. And if you wear a red shirt and go down to the uh, away team, go down to the planet with the captain and you're wearing a red shirt, you're not one of the main it's a cast. one-way trip. Yeah, you're not making it back. So. It's a one-way trip. Yeah. yeah. No, I was, I was playing... Uh, the two characters I played were actually bad guys, so... Do you have any acting training at all? No. Okay. No. Well, I know there's different places on the internet where you can go for certain training or knowledge base and stuff like that. So those are kind of worth it. But most of the audio dramas that I know now, they send out calls for auditions so you send in tape or whatever and you're considered for the role or you're not and that sort of thing so and that's not the only way but most of the audio dramas that i know of have gone to that i haven't looked into that in the last couple of years actually because well i had my chance acting and uh, i need training before i go <laughs> back to it because uh well the producer put it kindly and is like yeah, if you have somebody on your show that, because I was interviewing him actually, and he said, hey, if you have somebody on your show that uh, doesn't quite pull in the performance that you want, you can always put sound effects over, like typing. And and uh, I was like, hmm, <laughs> there was typing over my acting. <laughs> I see what you did there. Well, the two characters I portrayed in this series, their voices were modified. That was the nature of the characters to begin with anyway. So uh, that wasn't a surprise. So I don't know if that, carries over is to the same meaning that my voice was inadequate, but yeah, whatever. You mentioned you listen to podcasts about podcasting. Is that mm -hmm. how you learned how to podcast? That's primarily the way. Yeah. I listened to better podcasting, audacity to podcast, uh, school of podcasting, Dave, which is Dave Jackson. So I listened to those three, I think primarily, but there were some others that I probably listened to as well. Better Podcasting, I think, was probably the first one I started listening to. So, yeah, I, I picked up a lot from you guys. Thank you very much, and I hope we continue to provide value as we go forward. So, you started podcasting in 2020, mm -hmm. in the early days of the pandemic, at the end of 2020, so it was December, and you were right. probably bored and like, let's get on with this finally, and you just pulled the trigger or something like that. Since then, how do you think you've improved your podcasting? I'm not sure that I actually have. <laughs> uh, I, I've, I've probably got more efficient at things on the technical side, like the editing. But in general, I, I don't know that I've necessarily improved the quality of my presentations or my performances. Well, I, I'm, I guess I need to step back on that. I have improved 
on my solo show in that when I first started, it would take me about three hours to record a one hour episode. Now I'm down to hour and a half, you know, an hour, hour episode. So I, I guess I have improved in that, that respect. Good. Now, how do you actually record your show? I mean, you do a solo show and it's probably a different way to actually record it than your co-hosted show. Right. Uh, my solo show, I record into a Tascam DR100 Mark III. It's a portable digital recorder. I have to say that you guys were, and probably Dave Jackson too, were real instrumental in my decision to do that because of the things that you guys said about the surety of digital recorders, hardware recorders. So I record into that, and I have a, a Rode Rodecaster mic attached to a Rode PS, what is it, PSA1 arm, and that goes into that for that. For my co-hosted show, Remington Steel, I use a Rodecaster Pro as an interface and as my backup recording on my end. Then we record in Riverside FM, which has had its issues. And then my co-host records or has been recording her backup on a Windows computer into voice recorder. However, she just won a Roadcaster duo from the folks at Buzzsprout. So thank nice. you to the folks at Buzzsprout for gifting her, her with that. I'm excited for her because She's also got plans to do a show of her own, and I'm really encouraging her to work on developing the plan for that show and then I'd be ready to, to jump into it. And I want to give her all the help I can and encouragement. So, Yeah, Duo would have been amazing for me to have for my sh first show. The Duo does everything that I wanted to do with the first gear that I started out with, with Voices of Defiance, and I simply didn't have it back then. We mm -hmm. didn't have the capability back then. I think we barely had the Audio-Technica ATR2100 microphone when I started, but I didn't know about it. Mm -hmm. So I was using a Behringer 802 USB mixer and a Behringer 1300S microphone. Really low-end gear. It mm -hmm. worked, and it worked better than a headset. But today, I don't think I would be able... Matter of fact, I would go back to listen to those episodes, and I, I can barely listen to myself. I'm like, this is just not the audio quality that I'm used to from my own voice when I'm right. editing and when I'm publishing podcasts today. And I have a Rodecaster Pro 2, which is very similar to the Rodecaster Duo that your co-host just got. If I had the Duo to start, oh my gosh, that would have been so amazing. So the, the gear that's just available today and the software that's available today, vastly different than it was just 10 years ago. And the capability is there if you want to search it out and spend relatively little amounts of money compared to, like I said, 10 years ago, that same sort of quality and capability would be somewhere on the order of two to $10,000 to consolidate all that gear together. And you'd have to have knowledge of, of uh, how to daisy chain different audio devices together. And it was really, I would say a hobby, an audio hobby to podcast correctly the way that these simple devices do today so my hat is off to your co-host for starting her first podcast with a duo that's uh yeah. I'm, I'm not 
pimping road at all, but the capability that that duo gives is everything that I would want in a beginning setup. Yeah. And I'm, I'm really excited for her because she's got a great personality and I know that when she does start her show, it's going to be a good show. And so I, I've been encouraging her and I'm, I'm happy to see her get this piece of gear because that will definitely help her. And, uh, you know, I'm just trying to encourage her and help her in any way I can, but with knowledge and, um, you know, I was able to get her some training on Hindenburg. She hasn't had it. She's a school teacher, so she hasn't necessarily had a whole lot of time to spend doing the studying, but uh, I know that she's going to get to it. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm excited for her. And when she doesn't get to, she'll learn on the fly. Oh yeah. <laughs> Cause you yeah. have to, there's nobody else to do it. You got to do it yourself. And then whoever you can reach out to. I do have a question though. You sure. said you had a Rodecaster pro. Is it the OG? Mm-hmm. Yes. And yet you record your solo show on your Tascam DR100. Yes. Why do you not record your solo show on your Rodecaster? Well, the one, well, I was going to say the one thing I don't like about the Rodecaster, it's actually one of several things, is that there is no way to turn off the recording of tracks that are not being used. So you're recording audio input on one track and no audio input on other tracks i think it's 13 other tracks i think it's a total of 14 tracks yeah and it takes up all this space on the card and granted i i understand that cards are relatively inexpensive but it just goes against my grain to waste all that storage space on a card for nothing you know it's, it's like shipping empty cartons to someplace just because one of the cartons has something in it. It's kind of silly. I need to reach out to Rode and give them my feedback on it. I never have to this day, but the Rodecaster Pro 2 has the same issue. Mm-hmm. And the only thing I can think of, it's actually dummy proofing the system in that if you forget to enable a track, it's still recording. So it catches right. everything, whether you want it to or not. Right. My suggestion to Rode would be to give it to, because my, my basic philosophy is choices, software, hardware, give the user choices. And the choice should be a dummy mode. You wouldn't want to call it that, but I mean, basically a dummy mode. And then an expert mode where the dummy mode records all the channels. As soon as you hit the record button, the expert mode gives you the ability to arm or disarm channels, just like you do in a DAW. And then it only records the channels that are armed. When you hit that record button, I wouldn't think it would be that difficult for them to do. It's just a matter of, do they see the value in it? I think there's a lot of folks who would appreciate having that option to have an expert mode where they only record the channels that they want, but you're right. It is a safety feature for those who might forget. I think the only people that really care about are the old hats like you and I that have used (laughs) a different device, like in your case, the DR100, in my case, the Zoom H6, where you could toggle on and off the tracks and Zoom with all their devices, you can do that. So I'm I'm used to that. And I'm used to, in the past, I recorded three tracks on my H6. I had the capability of recording all six tracks, and I did, as I brought different people in on their own tracks, expand that. But 
usually I only recorded three tracks. Now I'm recording 14 tracks. The SD card has increased in size from 64 kilobits that I've been using, or uh, mega gigabytes, to 256, but it's still, every two months, I got to put a new one in because of just, this is just my opinion, is uh, I want to refresh the card to make sure I don't have card failure, and I want to just have a secondary archive in case something happens to my hard drive that the original recordings are stored on. And the backup that I have both here and in the cloud with uh, Backblaze. So after losing the first three podcasts that I did way back in mm-hmm. 2013, I've gone overboard with backups. Well, I like I said, I do the backup on the Roadcaster Pro. We primarily record with Riverside FM, but that backup has saved us a few times. We've had mm-hmm. issues uh, with Riverside, which some of them I can't explain, and we have lost some episodes either entirely or in part because partway through one of us got disconnected and that segment or the next segment or something got lost. There was actually one instance where I, as the host, lost the connection, could not get back in except as a guest and had no way to shut off the recording and no way to save the recording because. I wasn't the host anymore, even though on screen, I was still there as the host. So I was on there twice. It it was a mess. But yeah, those backups have definitely saved us. I fill up a card. I pull it out because I've been getting uh, cards, 128 gig cards from Amazon for like 13 bucks. And I like having the archive. Not that I'll probably ever need it, but I like just knowing that I've got it, if I need to go back to it, I can. Yeah, since I started recording on the Roadcaster Pro 2, I have backups from the Zoom too, but since I started recording on the Roadcaster Pro 2, I filled up nine 256 mm-hmm. gigabyte cards, and I've got the 10th one in there right now, and an 11th one ready to go that I've already pre-purchased from Amazon. I haven't had any problems with the cards. I know that some other people have had issues with Samsung cards, but Anyway, it's yes, I've tried to prevent losing a recording. I will take a lesser quality recording backup over not having any recording or any backup at all. So that saved a few of my shows. Matter of fact, just this past week, StreamYard, I had a co host that was having problems connecting to StreamYard. And just the way StreamYard was working is their computer kept recording on their end and they were able to send me there or StreamYard was able to send me even the audio that was recorded when they weren't connected that they Mm. were frozen so i was like wow this is they were still connected they were just frozen so that was a bonus that i was able to Mm. get that from StreamYard. i'm like okay well that's the track i was going to use anyway so i'm glad it's there okay so i got another question for you okay if you could have told yourself one thing to make it easier when you started podcasting back in 2020 what would you have told yourself well i would have probably talked myself out of doing the white collar podcast the way i am <laughs> because it is such a such a time I don't want to say time suck, but I mean, there's so much time involved in creating each of those episodes and doing the sound bites and, and such as that. I would have probably said, 
think of a, a different way to to accomplish it or you know maybe put that one on hold and start somewhere else other than that you know i can't think of anything really that jumps out at me because that three years that i was wandering through the desert so to speak i was gathering information on processes and techniques and technicals and i really think that made a huge difference in my ability to just kind of almost hit the ground running when it came to this thing because i really didn't have any technical issues or any kind of issues other than conceptual for uh, the the design of the podcast itself the content so i mean I don't think I would have changed anything too much other than, you know, possibly talking myself out of doing the one the way I did. Yeah. To double tap on that one. Hey, have you ever thought about changing the format of the show or maybe doing an episode in, in multiple bites, like maybe 15 minutes at a time or something like that? I haven't given it a lot of thought. I, I kind of in passing thought, well, what would I do to change it? now that I've got this established the way it is and hadn't really come up with anything very easily, very quickly. And so I've just kind of set that aside as an idea. I mean, I, I may, may, may revisit it because it, it's certainly worth considering, but yeah, that would be one of those things. I'm a very slow thinker. Sometimes I, I may think good sometimes, but I think slow. So it would take me a while to come up with a good alternate concept. Okay. Well, I would keep my mind open for that. If it continues to be a pain for you, I would definitely, there's nothing that says you have to keep the same format. You could definitely change right. the format if you want to. So I would recommend that you keep thinking about it. And if you find something that you like, I'd go with it. Or if you want to try something, I would go with that. Just make it easier and funner for yourself because the fun is what keeps you in it. So other than your longstanding IRC chat, you don't have any other social media. So how do you podcast without social media? Well, <laughs> by some people's definition, not very successfully. I would say that on my white collar podcast, I probably run about 60 subscribers, which for a lot of people that would just be, they'd be pulling out their hair. Why don't I have more? You know, I'm fine with that. I'm happy with that. I just don't do a whole lot of social media. I'll, I'll pop in and have some chats with some folks from time to time. The white collar group that I'm involved with on uh, Facebook does do monthly, actually the, every weekend they, they do some sort of a Zoom get together, but I've dropped in periodically on those and participated in those. But, you know, it, it's, Social media is for promoting, and that's fine. But I'm happy with with the numbers I'm getting. Now, the Remington Steel, that's a different situation because when I first offered the job to my co-host, I, I made clear to her that I am not a social media person, and I know that she is, and would she handle all the social media? And she's been more than happy to do that. She's been very good at it. 
And we're getting some good numbers on on the show. I mean, not stellar numbers compared to a lot of other shows. I I, I think we've been coming in around 100 or so, 120, which in the first seven days is usually an indication of of how many subscribers you've got. So uh, we're we're moving slowly, progressing on that, getting a few more every every few months, so we can see the numbers going up. So. She takes care of that, and I'm happy with that. And like I said, I'm, I'm happy with the numbers that I'm getting on both of the shows simply because I'm not doing the shows to get popular or famous or get a lot of followers or, or anything like that. I'm not judging my success on that. I'm just judging my success on the fact that, hey, I've got some people listening, and I'm happy with that. So you mentioned the only thing to use social media for is promotion. and. I guess I have a little bit different viewpoint of that from a hobbyist standpoint. Definitely, you can use it for promotion. Not going to argue that. But you can also use it just to connect with other like-minded people. Mm-hmm. Well, that's that's true. I guess my use of the word promotion was a little bit loose. I consider that still also kind of promotion when it's being done in conjunction with the podcast. But yeah, you're right. Just on a personal basis, you can you can do that, connect with these people, and that be totally separate from whatever you're doing with your podcast. But uh, yeah, I'm just uh, okay. I'm a solitary person. That's just <laughs> that's just me. <laughs> and that's that's okay. I mean, I know plenty of people that don't aren't on social media for a lot of different reasons. So not knocking it. I was just saying that there is other uses than just flat-out promotion. Right. I, I, I understand. Also, you mentioned that when you brought your co-host on, it's one of the things that she did, and it just got me thinking, and I should have asked you before, do you have an official agreement with Sarah on the podcast? Do you have anything in writing, or was it just verbal, hey, I'll take care of this, you can do this? Well, in writing, uh, on paper, physical paper, uh, no there's an email in there somewhere that I could go back and find probably where I, I said, this is what I would like you to do. This is what I will take care of. I explained that. Yes, technically I own the show. If it, if somebody asks, it's my show, but I was also very clear with her that as far as the presentation of the show goes, as far as anybody listening to the show goes unless they know that i was reaching out looking for a co-host at the very beginning i don't want anybody to know i own the show i want to come across as being co-hosts you know, it's our show so uh, i've been very clear with her on that as well so yeah we we had a conversation and and we set out kind of the divisions of of the labors now she's wanting to get into editing and do some editing of our episodes as she gets to the point where she feels comfortable doing that. And I'm happy to let her do that because I want her to get the experience to do that so that she can do that when she starts her own show at some point in the future. But I'm not going to dump that on her and expect her to take that over. Yeah, from my perspective, if any of my co-hosts show any sort of interest whatsoever in editing, even if they're Canadian, I'm like, yep, here you go. I'll teach you all how to do it. Here, here it is. 
you let me know and we'll even sit side saddle and you know, on the internet and, and we'll edit it together because anything that I could offload from the post-production, I am <laughs> way for. You just got to make sure they wipe their hands of all that maple syrup. Yeah, that's right. Okay, so you've been podcasting for about three years, just shy of three mm-hmm. years now, because it was December of 2020 when you started, and right now it's November of 2023. Right. You must have had something along the way on one of your shows that would be considered, well, multiple, actually, favorite moments. So when you think of favorite moments in your podcast, what comes to mind? It doesn't have to be your favorite moment, your, your top moment, but... You have to have some favorite moments of your shows. So can you think of one? Well, there's actually actually a few. And the White Collar podcast, as a result of the podcast and some interactions I had with folks on the face group, uh, Facebook forum groups, I was invited to a cameo with the actor who plays uh, one of the lead characters in the show. Somebody purchased a cameo and like five minutes. Right. And I was invited to participate in that, which was the fact that I was invited was actually, I would say more exciting and more of an honor than actually meeting him (laughs) in this. (laughs) So there was that. And then as far as the Remington steel podcast, there's two, one of which was when, here about, oh, I don't know, three months ago, I was looking at our stats. I'm not a stats hound, but I do occasionally look at them, just you know, see how things are progressing. And I realized that in the previous 30 days, we had had 20% of our total downloads that we had had for, for a year, which was, you know, wait, 30 days, 20% of our total downloads since the very beginning, that was that just blew my mind. And then, of course, just any time I get to get together with my co-host and do a recording, it's just, that is a highlight for me. I just, I, I enjoy that. I enjoy talking to her. We do the, the back and forth, the, the teasing, the, you know, the disagreements about this point or that point. And, and yeah, it's just, it's just fun. Sounds like you're having a fun time doing it. So that's good. You have studied the podcast industry. You did so before you started podcasting, and now you've been podcasting for three years. So you've been aware of the whole thing for about six years now. Mm-hmm. Do you have any gripes with the podcast industry? Uh, yes, and I'm not sure exactly who to blame for this. I, I think everybody has their fair share of blame. And part of it focuses on this whole idea of free hosting. Spotify, YouTube, because what seems to be happening is so many people are rushing to these platforms and they're building their brand on these platforms. And, and, you know, you can say, well, I'm not a professional podcaster. I'm not building a brand. Well, yeah, you are. You're building a brand for your podcast or for yourself if you go on to do other podcasts. So you're building a brand and you're doing it on a platform you don't control. and you know, they can change the rules. They can pull the rug out from under you. I mean, people are constantly being uh, demonetized or suppressed or having their content deleted for whatever reason. 
Uh, I mean, even Joe Rogan had episodes from his show not put onto Spotify when he signed up with them. So you're building on rented land, and I just see disaster for so many people. Uh, maybe, maybe not the majority of people. Maybe the majority of people, it's it's never an issue. But I see potential danger in that for many podcasters, plus for the industry as a whole, because these platforms aren't friendly to the industry. They're friendly to their advertisers and to their dollar. YouTube has already destroyed the video market. I don't know if you remember SP, but years ago, you could actually subscribe to channels via RSS through YouTube. But it wasn't profitable for them, so they yanked it out after they had already destroyed the video industry. So I don't see this as a good thing for anybody, and I understand the problems with having to pay a host every month. I mean, that adds up. At some point, you've got to spend the dollars to keep control of your content and keep control of your brand. And, and I just see the, the rush to YouTube and Spotify and other such platforms as being a bad thing. Your concern has merit, and it has merit in this very podcast itself. Because when we started it, there is this thing out there, this was capability out there called Blab. It was blab.im. It doesn't exist anymore. Mm -hmm. It was available for less than a year. It was a wonderful capability that didn't really exist prior to that, where you could have up to four people on the screen at the same time, kind of like we're side to side right now on the stream yard. You could have mm -hmm. up to four people, I think up to six actually, but you could at least have up to four people and it would record both the video and the audio. It didn't record separate tracks or anything. It was before its time there. And the audio was often out of sync with the video. So you'd have to go into a video editing program and straighten everything up and align everything, sync everything up after the fact. But it was a entry drug for me to get into uh, the video streaming realm. And mm -hmm. I transitioned from Blab after that to, I believe it was Hangouts on Air over on uh, Google or YouTube or whatever. So. There was a lot of people on that platform. They had their own little community. It was like the start of YouTube, but they weren't monetizing. it. So when they ran out of venture capitalist funding to keep this going, they just shut it down. And there were many, many people that had built their brands on this capability and it just went away and they never regained their audiences at the scope of what Blab was afterwards. Also, uh, gosh, what was that capability, that audio capability that came out about the time that the pandemic started? Clubhouse. Clubhouse, yeah. Yes. That's, that's another example in all the Clubhouse clones, which started and then kind of went away. So if you built mm -hmm. your brand on one of those and it went away, it was gone. So your concern has merit, and it has been repeated over and over and over again, especially with free services like all the ones that we just described. Well, you guys have done what I think a lot of people should do. I, and there is there is money involved. I mean, you're, you're paying for hosting, you're paying for a website, and you're, so you're paying actually double hosting. You're hosting your video, uh, uh, video correction. You're hosting your audio files on a podcast hosting service, I'm sure. You have a hosting service 
for your website. Now, that doesn't mean you're not using YouTube. That doesn't mean you're not using some of these other services, but you're not building your brand on them. You're building your brand on your own website, your own RSS feed, so that if these other services that you are utilizing simultaneously change their rules and it no longer works for you, or they go away, or they decide that your content isn't suitable for their audience, you still have your base. You still have your foundation. And that's really how I think people should be approaching it is control your own foundation, build on your own foundation. You can use these other services, but don't build your brand on them. I think the biggest one is just to control your own domain. So for those that don't know what I'm talking about, I'm not talking about like your house. I'm talking about literally your web domain. That's what it's called, your URL or your web address. So in our case, betterpodcasting.com. In the case of my Legends of Shield podcast, it's legendsofshield.com. In the first podcast that I ever did was Voices of Defiance. So voicesofdefiance.com. That's the domain name that I'm talking about. And wherever that content finds itself on the web, I'm going to be able to point to it. So that's the, the start of controlling your own destiny. And you're right. I see more and more people not having a web presence online and they just depend on whatever service that they're using, whether it's YouTube or even if it's a podcast media hosting service, they're just using that as their landing page, which is great, but they don't have their own URL to point to it. So that if they ever change or that media hosting service goes away and they have to move their content, that it's lost basically to the ether of people trying to find it and you lose a portion of your audience because of it. Yeah. Well, what I've done is kind of save some cost by using the web page that my hosting service, which is Buzzsprout, provides. But I have, as you said, my own domain pointing to that. So if for some reason Buzzsprout should just decide tomorrow, hey guys, we're going to go on a permanent vacation to the Bahamas, I don't have to worry about it because I've got all my audio files. I've got my domain. I can just move all that somewhere else. And then the domain, which is literally just a sign, you hold up a sign and it points over there, like in uh, the Shore Leave episode. It's a sign pointing to this location. And I just redirect the sign to my new home, and I'm still good. All right, let me get this straight. Step one, start a media podcast hosting service. Step two, have people put their podcast on said service and pay you every month for their work. Step three, retire and go to the Bahamas. That's right, right? <laughs> well, I, I guess I did say that that's the way to do it, so. Okay. <laughs> Talking about future plans, do you have any future plans for your podcast? And you're going to keep the status quo? You got anything on the hopper? Well, I'm going to complete the series, uh, White Collar and Remington Steel, with the episodes for the actual TV episodes. My co-host and I have been talking about what we might do after the Remington Steel podcast concludes the original series episodes. We've had some ideas. We're, we've kind of done some preliminary research into them. I don't know how well they're going to work out. I'm also thinking that we may just cut it off because I do want her to be able to go do her own show. 
And if she feels that she doesn't have time to do her new show and continue with this one, I don't want to interfere with her doing her show. So I would just cut it off and say, okay, we finished the series. We're done. Beyond that, like I said, I'm possibly doing some voice acting and possibly getting into audio dramas in some other way, maybe as a audio editor or some technical portion of the work behind the scenes. I'm undecided at this point. <laughs> you have a great voice and a great ability to capture it. Don't not think about doing audiobook narration because I think you'd probably be good at that. That is actually something that I had thought about. My concept was originally, and might still be, that there's a lot of older books out there that have never been done as audiobooks because there's not a huge market for them. They're not the newest, latest bestseller. But I think there is a market for them, even though it's a, a smaller market. And so I've had this idea of trying to somehow create this production system where I do the recording and then kind of like a independent recording artist where they start their own label, they pay for the recording of their own albums. They own the masters and they just simply license to Warner brothers or CBS or whoever to do the distribution. I'm kind of playing around with an idea of trying to do something similar to that with audiobooks where I can record the books that I want to, you know, work with the authors uh, and the original publishers to make it happen and then just do kind of a licensing thing where, hey, you know, I'm doing all the work. I'm paying for it all up front. You can get a, a portion, but I keep the, the lion's share. I don't know. It's definitely something that has occurred to me. Okay. Well, I'm glad to hear that because I have listened to audiobooks before and your voice, I think, would fit several of the novels that I have or listened to. I was going to say read, but listened to in the past. So, Oh, well, thank you. Appreciate that. You bet. And your podcasts that I've listened to are great, too. But I did listen to the latest Remington Steel podcast and it was on one episode and you guys recorded for, I believe, two hours, 40 minutes. If that was the running time of the episode, we would have recorded a bit longer than that. But yes. <laughs> well, I, I do have to say that the running time of those episodes has been a concern for me, but it occurred to me one of the times that we had been recording, I looked at the, the running time on my roadcaster and it's like, what, wait, what? We've been recording that long. I did not realize that we'd been recording that long. And so I kind of at that point said, you know what, if I'm enjoying doing the recording enough that I don't even realize how much time we spent doing this, I don't think the listeners are going to mind. And if they have it, have an issue, they've got a pause button. They know how to use it. They can come back to it later, which is one of the beauties of podcasting is that you can stop and come back to where you were at some later point. I love that about podcasting. So, yeah, I, I've stopped worrying about the length of time for the most part. It still kind of niggles at me from time to time. But, yeah, I if I'm enjoying it so much that I don't know how long it's it's been going on, I don't worry about it then. 
for people out there that are thinking, how can you talk so much about one episode? Well, to that, I say, look at all the podcasts that have popped up about taking a movie one minute at a time. Like every episode that they do, an hour, an hour and a half minute, uh, episode is about one minute of the movie. Like Star Wars Minute, for example, one minute of the movie. I'm like, wow, that is some <laughs> dedication right there. Yes. Especially if they, you know, but you can actually do that if you get into all the stuff that goes into making that minute, not just what's, you know, what that one minute of story is, but talk about, okay, here's the sets, here's the costumes, here's the special effects the music yeah i mean i can see it i can see it well eric we've had a ton of fun talking in the last hour i have at least and i hope you have as well oh, yeah and if our audience is having fun listening to you where can they go and find you website for the remington steel podcast steel watching is steelwatching.com and that's steel s-t-e-e-l-e and for the white collar podcast it's white collared pc.com and pc stands for podcast not politically correct or, or personal computer or that either yeah <laughs> okay well thank you very much eric for joining me for this podcasting chat and uh hope that our audience will find mutual enjoyment of your shows hey and i enjoy your episodes so if somebody's listening to this and they haven't listened to the previous episodes of of chats with sp go back and listen to them there's some really good stuff in there well thank you very much and thank you for spending your last hour with eric and myself and if you like the show give better podcasting chats with sp a follow on your podcatcher of choice steve and i would greatly appreciate it and i wouldn't mind a review as well on your podcatcher of choice or wherever you're listening to this episode. In the meantime, if you want to join the podcasting conversation, you can go to our Discord server, betterpodcasting.com slash Discord. You can find Steven, my co-host for Better Podcasting, and myself there every day. What's going on in Better Podcasting right now is we're basically wrapping up 2023 on both Better Podcasting and Better Podcasting live chats and the show too. But I want to remind you that coming up will be our annual gear episode. It's a fan favorite every year. And then our final live chat. You can catch all of this at betterpodcasting.com. And if you are a geeky related podcast, you can consider becoming part of the Gunna Geek Network. You can apply at getageeknetwork.com slash join or just getageek.com. Dot com slash join. We'll see everybody next time. Bye.